Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hello, Jonathan. Good to be back. End of the week. End of the week. Yes, we're, we're moving there, getting towards it. So uh, we, we've obviously got three equities that we're going to discuss as, as usual. But I, I think given that we're, we're moving into the end of the week, it, it would only be fitting for us to actually look back and um, explore some of the moves that we have been seeing, seeing so far uh, this week in, in terms of equities. And, and those equities are listed in, uh, in London. Now, it has been a relatively choppy week for, for equity markets, albeit within a very tight range. I mean, if, you, if you're looking at the overall FTSE 100 in the context of the last 12 months, the last week's been been pretty dull. But there's been a few stories at play there which, which have been of interest. Of course, we've seen everything going on with, with AstraZeneca and what that could actually mean for the rollout of vaccines in, in Europe and therefore the economic uh, reopening. But that seems to have died off. Um, so far um, coming into the Friday session. But one of the, the interesting things that I am noting at this point in time, um, Alan, is we are getting a rally in these classic cyclical stocks uh, again. So I'm looking here at uh, at the FTSE 100 uh, and very much looking at those companies that are, are moving up to, towards the top of the, the leaderboards. And, it, and it's those familiar names in there. Um, we've got Glencore, Antofagasta, Anglo-American, BP, mm. Rio Tinto, BHB Group and, and Shell, all, all among the uh, the top 10 risers on the day. So this is, of, of course, a commodities uh, story. Now, I mean, with what we're seeing in, in commodities um, currently, Adam, we've, of course, seen a very strong uh, rally over the last three months. and really that has helped the, the equities that we've just named stage very significant rallies. But one thing that I'm, I'm starting to see is some commodity prices uh, may be looking a little bit detached from some of the uh, the, the equities there. That I mean, there could be sort of short-term uh, factors at, at play, but the, the equity market seems to have quietened down to some extent and isn't reacting to uh, the volatility that we're seeing in commodities, as one may have uh, have it expected. I mean, do, do you think that there's an, an element of wait and see now in, in markets for the next catalyst for equities to really get moving again? Yeah, I, I think, uh, as I've said before, Jonathan, uh, um, the, the backdrop now for commodities and when, you know, the, the forthcoming or whether we might actually already be in a in the in a new commodity super cycle, but of course all of the major uh, uh, broking and investment houses have been discussing this, and I think that is sitting underneath um, the strength that we're seeing in uh, the mining and energy and resource stocks. Um, and of course, there's going to be volatility in commodity prices. Um, you know, we we, we saw. We saw a fall in the iron ore price, um, uh, and uh, you know the, the the demand ebbs and flows. And uh, I think there was a statement, of course, from Valley, the huge Brazilian uh, iron ore producer, to say that 
it would be back on track and shipping uh, shipping again very shortly. So so that in a sense um, removes any squeeze out of the iron ore price. But uh, nonetheless, the the demand will still be there going forward, particularly in China's case. Of course, there's been a year of uh, economic inactivity, relatively speaking, and uh, you know the, all of the construction projects. Uh, a lot of those will have been put on hold, and um, in a sense, there is a catch-up uh, to take place. Not just in China, of course, but from the the fast-growing economies that uh, are basically using and hoovering up these commodities. So the demand um, remains, the backdrop remains, and of course, there is always strength in the uh in in, in the uh, the battery metals the energy metals uh, such as um copper such as lithium uh, uh graphite and of course the uh, the platinum metals groups and then of course we come to gold and silver there uh, there's ongoing demand there um the the economic outlook for into the future is uncertain so a lot of investors are turning to gold in fact i speak with a lot of people who um as they talk they've got gold bars and uh, you know, bars, silver, silver ingots sitting on their desks. So um, this is certainly a commodity market, um, and I wouldn't um, be phased by uh, movements in the interim. If you're investing for the long term, I think if you're buying into that market now, you will see the commodity stocks you buy or the assets you buy uh, sitting at a higher price this time next year. I mean, you mentioned China there, and and that's uh, going to bring me on to probably one of the most interesting uh, points of of this week, and um, the the boycotts and proposed boycotts of brands such as Nike, um, mm. and we're seeing today uh, with with Burberry uh, by China due to pressure coming from from the West on their human rights practices. Yeah. Uh, now, that's had. A significant impact on on the share prices, particularly of Nike. Yesterday, we saw a big drop off in the uh, in the share price uh, of them. I mean, if we do see this start to uh, you know come across into other luxury brands, I mean, Burberry's off slightly today, not a huge amount, off two percent, um, but there will be um, you know concerns out there that uh, the demand for for products for their for their products does decrease going forward. I mean, is this something that that you feel could spill over into the commodity markets and some of the um, imports that, that China, um, you know, that they control and you're obviously the biggest consumer of natural resources in the world. I mean, how detrimental do you think this could be for the FTSE 100 as an index if China starts to um, put um, barriers in for imports coming from from Western countries such as Australia, and, and there have been um, in the last six months um, some measures put in by, by China there, which which has had has actually had a, an, an impact. I mean, if they really push this through, could we see sharp declines in in some of these miners such as Rio Tinto, BHB, which are um, you know very very basically digging out um, basic uh, materials in Australia and, and shipping them over to, to China? As one of their main areas of, of, of business, I mean, could this really have a, a, a follow-on through, or that interdependency is just too much for China to, to rock the boat there, due to the demand they need to push their their economy going forward? Well, I think on the retail level to start with, I think there are plenty of Chinese brands that 
um, that will replace the Nikes and the Burberrys. So on that level, you can see concerted activity. And, and you know, obviously, as as is any uh, any opinion making is is uh, is uh, by and large media driven. So a lot of the reports we've seen from China. Uh, about shoppers uh, boycotting Nike and and other major brands, that um, that will certainly impact on the stocks. But um, China is, of course, a vast country in its own right, and will be able to produce some of its own some of its own uh, ore and commodities, but only to a point. And um, you know, this make no mistake, China has a vast appetite and requires huge amounts of raw commodities, and it's simply. Uh, for it to decide to go alone, it's simply unsustainable. It can certainly threaten, and uh, you know we're seeing saber rattling at the moment. But um, I think it's too reliant uh, on other countries for uh, for raw materials to drive its own growth. So uh, a compromise would need to be sought. And uh, you know, as often happens in these cases, uh, saber rattling and and um, sanctions are made at a certain level, and then. On another level, um, uh, an arrangement is made to continue the flow of goods. So uh, I don't think I don't think uh, the miners will suffer as much as uh, as much as the media might want us to believe they will. Yes, I mean there's a there's a huge level of interdependency there. Whatever hurts, uh, and it was obviously very public when this was uh, um, you know sort of happening um, earlier on. Well, towards the end of 2020, uh, particularly with with coal in and in Australia, I mean, if there was anything um, broad there in terms of restrictions, yes, I mean we, we'd see uh, significant disruption to some of the activities of of miners list here in London. But I do have to agree that for them to do that, for trying to do that, would probably cause them more trouble than uh, than it's worth. So. That's going to be an interesting story to see how that uh, that plays out. And of course, we we had yesterday um, Joe Biden delivering his first news conference. Um, very light in the way of, of detail there, but the relationship between the United States and China as well is going to be an interesting story for for twenty twenty one. So I'm sure uh, a subject that we're going to be touching on again as soon as we hear uh, any more information, given the importance for some companies listed here in. Uh, in London, so I mean, staying on the, the the subject of commodities now, um, Alan. Always when we're discussing uh, UK companies, given the weighting towards natural resources, it's uh, it's usually the case that we're discussing commodities companies, and, and we have two here, actually three here today uh, within that sector. So let's kick things off with one that I think we have touched on um, very briefly in the past, which is, um, echo energy, but I know there's been a lot happening there. So what's the, uh, the most recent update from them? Okay. So echo energy are, um, a UK listed company with assets in, in South America, primarily Argentina and, uh, with some exploration, um, assets in, in Bolivia. So, uh, in, in Argentina to start with, um, the, the company, uh, is, a the a seventy percent owner of the Santa Cruz uh, um, a, a, a assets, and and there are a series of oil fields or producing gas and oil fields across the Santa Cruz uh, asset, including Carillas, uh, Campo Bremen, uh, Oceana, um, 
Moyaiki and uh, Kurilos, Palermo Aiki. Um, and uh, if, if there's a very good website, actually, the company has a very good website, Echo Energy PLC. Um, if you Google it, it'll take you straight there. And there are some, there are some very detailed maps which just show the layout of these assets. So the, the company um, uh, the company has uh, seen a, a very a resurgence of interest in its assets as it's brought some of these assets back on stream over the past over the past few months. And indeed, um, one of the uh, one of the initiatives that uh, that uh, really uh, I say lit the blue touch maybe certainly started the wheels rolling again was um, was a, a decision to uh, to refund uh, VAT payments that had been made uh, previously, and um, as a result, uh, the the VAT status change for Echo subsidiary in Argentina um, meant it was no longer. No required to pay VAT on domestic income, so it was. Uh, it's in the process of reclaiming one point four million dollars. Um, so in December last, uh, four oil wells at Carillas and Palermo Ike returned to production, um, adding uh, fifty barrels of oil per day to the output. Um, and on the back of the return to production, um, the, the the company uh, following a, a raise of seven hundred thousand. For working capital at the start of December, raised a further eight hundred and fifty-six thousand um, at zero point five p. Progress continued into this year. Um, the further gas sales, sales contracts were made at a premium to spot rates, um, and uh, up to up to last week, where the company the company announced it had uh, secured two new uh, gas contracts um, and these contracts uh, were secured at a 126% increase over the previous annual contract pricing and what it means is as a net result of that 70% of the gross daily gas production from Santa Cruz Sur allocated to industrial customers is now committed to contracts which obviously gives the company advantage advantages of great visibility going forward um, and uh, and and also enables the company to look at the other assets it's got to 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 develop and bring them back on stream. Um, also coming to this year, uh, um, the the company signed an agreement. It has assets in in Bolivia. Um, I, I'll just I'll, I'll just cover these assets: the Huayco asset um, and the Rio Salado asset, um, which uh, which are close to. The Margarita and Sabala liquid natural gas processing facilities, um, and uh, again, these are these are these are gas assets, um, and if they are developed, um, they will be able to plug directly into into uh, the existing gas export pipelines which run close by. So, so those assets are we're going to hear more news on those as we go forward. But um, in January, the company signed an agreement with the Aruba Corp subsidiary GTL International to seek and execute energy sector transactions within within those territories. We then move on. Um, uh, we, we saw in January also two uh, investors, Sebastian Marr and Clive Roberts, both took notifiable holdings. But um, one of the uh, issues that has been, perhaps doggy is the one word, but it, it is the wrong word, but it certainly, uh, it certainly acted as um, uh, a, uh, a, an overhang on the share price, in a sense, is the fact that um, that the uh, company has had historical 
debt facilities. Um, so uh, the, 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 there is a twenty million um, a twenty million uh, debt facility uh, with Luxembourg uh, uh, loan notes, and um, the company has been seeking to restructure those to extend the maturity to May two thousand twenty five. And indicative uh, voting so far uh, looks to be very much in favour of this. And we will have the final result on this voting uh, uh, and, um, on, on the 30th of March. But what it will mean is there'll be no further cash interest payments to be made um, up to the majority. Um, and uh, if this goes through, a, a, a payment of around 100,000 euros will be made to note holders um, voting in favour in shares so um so there will be some additional shares issued but obviously the the liability of the company has to repay this immediately uh, um, is, is lapsed so there's a very solid uh backdrop in production from the group there's uh there's uh, the prospect of um this loan uh, the, the the loan notes being um being resolved and uh uh, the company has every opportunity now to invest in further assets. And obviously, we have the existing cash flow from the Santa Cruz assets, and we have the blue sky potential in Bolivia. So I think Echo is set for a very exciting year. Shares are currently trading at 0.7p, giving the company a market cap of 8.5 million. Um, they trade as high as 1.1p on the year and as low as 0.3p. So still well off year highs. And uh, I think when the the loan note, uh, um, once we hear the loan notes are issue is uh, resolved next week, we're going to see the, the shares progress higher. I mean, with this company, Alan, I mean, just looking at their, um, the, the highlights for the first half um, of their, their 2020 year, which was um, released back in the 30th of September, um, they had quite a substantial increase in, in revenue. So, in terms of business operations, it, it looks to be quite strong. Is it? Is it very much um, the case that that the factors at play holding back the share price at the moment is leaning towards the the, the structuring of the of the debts and and the and the bonds uh, that they that, that you mentioned there, or do, or do you think that there's actually more to come and, and investors are waiting for operations to come online? Um, to, to see the share price got move higher from here, um, I, I I think th- this uh, the the loan note issue has held the company back for some time because when you've got that uncertainty and overhang, um, if investors get into the company at a low price and they make a profit, um, uh, some some investors may be tempted to sell out rather than hold on for the for the for, for the further developments and potential to come because of the uncertainty of the overhang so once this overhang is removed i think you'll see investors buying the stock and holding the stock because there's no doubt um the you know the gas sales are are rising rapidly um oil production uh, is also rising rapidly and there are the opportunities to bring so many other um wells and uh, back on stream and also to drill new wells um so this is the the, the actual assets are are relatively low cost in their in their operational costs um and uh and i think the there's an opportunity to see exponential growth both in oil and gas production um really at relatively little uh cost to the company going forward so yeah i i, th- I think there's a there is a real opportunity to 
opportunity for valuation growth here, but once the once the loaner issue is resolved. Indeed. And as you mentioned there, um, we do some news very shortly. So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's one that we will uh, be discussing again uh, and the reaction in, in shares there when we when we get that. Um, so staying within the energy sector, uh, another oil company, Union Jack Oil. Alan, what's uh, the latest from them? So uh, David Bramhill, obviously the uh, the um, executive chairman at uh, Union Jack Oil, is a mercurial character, well known by everyone in the industry. And I think his his involvement with any company um, has to be a good thing. So um, Union Jack Oil, they are, uh, as the name implies, uh, very much focused in the UK. Um, onshore, an onshore oil and gas operation co- operation company, um, which is developing. Uh, drilling and uh, developing and investing into um, onshore projects in the UK. Um, it has licenses, numerous licenses in the Eastern Midlands, Humber Basin and East, York, East Yorkshire. Now, m- most of the activity now is in East Yorkshire. So if you go across the Humber Bridge, there there are territories all around there, which um, which uh, you'll see uh, a, a drilling currently underway. So the company has uh, has provided a number of updates. So j- just to give you some some information on the share price. The company's, company currently has a valuation of 35 million. Shares are trading 36p as we speak. Been as high as 64p, uh, and that was back uh, last summer, and as low as 17p. So with the projects it's got on the go at the moment, I think there's uh, every prospect for, for further rises uh, later this year. So uh, firstly, the West Newton project, um, which is uh, it has huge potential. Um, a note uh, or, or a, uh, um, a, a site uh, exhibition was uh, published last week. Um, West Newton is uh, jointly run and operated was operated by Rebold Resources um, and Rathlin Energy, uh, with Union Jack all holding a sixteen point six percent stake in in the asset. Um, there are, if you go to the website, you'll see there are uh, there are uh, a lot of. Uh, illustrations and video clips about West Newton and about the developments that are taking place there. But um, uh, in an interview I did recently with David uh, Bramhill, um, he was talking about the size of this asset and uh, they know it extends uh, two and a half kilometres from west to east, but uh, he believes the north-south extension is much, much bigger. And of course, the B1Z well that's been drilled is successful there already, so that's already... Uh, underway. Um, David said that uh, tankers have been uh, uh, seen to uh, 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 leave the site as well. So so uh, that's very much on schedule and uh, and progressing to plan. So that's West Newton. We had the Russell uh, asset, which is in the same region in Broughton. Um, uh, and uh, there have been issues with the local council there that have now been sorted. The operator there is Egdon Resources, Union Jack Oil, Owns forty percent of the wrestle asset, um, and again, uh, the uh, the the uh, wrestle asset is uh, well is on track there. All tankers have again been seen leaving the site, um, and uh, the, the, the David said about um, wrestle it still remains the the largest undraw, fully undrilled onshore prospect for for the company. Um, another asset called Biscothorpe, the uh, Union Jack owns 45% of that asset. Um, uh, it's, it's established 
targets in what it calls the Donation and the Westphalian um, areas of uh, of Biscothorpe. Um, these are going to be drilled by the the end of the year, um, and uh, there is the the, the there are um, estimates for the uh, amount of oil in the ground here, which uh, are pretty impressive. Um, the donation uh, uh, barrels of oil estimated to be there. Twenty four point three million is the median estimate, with the high estimate being thirty six million barrels of oil. The Westphalian asset. Um, 3.9 million barrels of oil again uh, that's the median uh, estimate uh, as high as 6.6 million is, is the upper estimate so exciting progress there um, just uh, j- just on the the other asset they have North Kelsey which is a 50% asset this is sited 15 kilometers northeast of the Russell uh, prospect drilled in 2021 um, again the median estimate there 4.46 million barrels of oil and the, the upper estimate, eight and a half million barrels of oil there too. So um, plenty to pl- plenty in the ground and plenty of developments uh, on schedule there. And then um, a week or so, the company announced uh, um, a bit of a change for its uh, it, its operations when it acquired um, it, it acquired for a total of ninety three thousand sterling. Um, uh, uh, a, a series of um, assets uh, in, in the North Sea from Cambridge uh, Petroleum Royalties. Um, so the, it's acquired these assets at the, in the Claymore, Piper and Scapper oil fields. Um, it's called, known as the Piper Complex. And uh, it, it essentially, it's, um, it's like buying, it's like buying a, a bond or, or, a, or a cash yielding asset, which... Uh, which uh, which pays uh, which pays um, pays out money on a regular basis, um, and uh, uh, it, it, it's a very efficient earnings vehicle for the company going forward. Um, uh, Union Jacob will estimate the internal rate of return is in the region of one hundred and twenty nine percent, and uh, uh, this is uh, um, uh, David Bramwell said when I interviewed him that uh, he estimates the. The accrued royalty payments of the original uh, uh, investment should pay back the initial investment within twelve months, which is which is quite something. Um, and uh, I believe they are looking for further assets like this this to complement the group going forward. But certainly, um, as a as a complete entity, uh, Union Jack is now uh, offering some diversity to investors, where it has the cash flow to. Uh, to 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 bring regular cash into the company, and then of course it has all these assets in uh, in, in 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 the northeast of England, uh, which are which are coming on stream and at various stages of development. But um, I know I know the uh, the uh, pros- the uh, projects in northeast England are moving ahead at, at pace, so we're going to get a lot more news from the company in the not too distant future. I mean, I know this company has been one that's been popular with investors for for, for some time, and, and it seems as though we're we're getting towards um, you know the, the end of the process with, with some of these projects. I mean, but for for this company, and I mean, what what do you feel is going to be the plan over over the longer term? I mean, are they going to be have to be bringing in partners to develop some of these and get them into production levels, or or do they have the the resources as as you said there? Um, with the the cash generation to do this themselves and and, and to be go, become to some extent a fully fledged producer, um, or, or do you think it's going to be some of these projects are, are going to be 
um, sort of sold off and they look at bringing in the value that way? Um, it, it, it could be either way. But I, th- I think the attractive thing about Union Jack Oil is that it already has its operating partners. I mean, West Newton, for instance, um, it has an operating uh, rebuild of the operator rebuild resources who are also listed, uh, aim listed, um, and also Rattling Energy, uh, uh, a private company. So the, these companies are owners and operators so that they have all the resources already in place to operate these wells. With Wrestle, for example, Egdon Resources is the operator. And uh, you'll often find this, that, um, that uh, uh, you know, um, uh, assets like this are owned by two or three companies. They're developed to a point, and then at a certain level, um, one of the one of the uh, partners might decide to sell on or sell on to another operator when they feel that value's been added, and they can maybe invest the gain that they make in the cash in into another asset and uh, it's quite a common uh, common procedure uh, with all companies of this nature but certainly david bramwell and his team uh, his uh, his geologist uh, 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 his, his geologist and uh, the fellow alongside him is a chap called graham bull who is also an industry veteran so between them they've got a very strong team to identify these assets and extract ma- maximum value from them Indeed, indeed. So uh, looks as though another company there with uh, an interesting few months ahead of them. So to, to finish off here, uh, Alan, um, Keris Minerals Resources. This is a company that's joined uh, the flood of IPOs that we've seen in London over the past six months. Um, maybe not uh, one that's been as widely covered as, as others or, or others that are on the horizon, such as Deliveroo, but certainly an interesting company. Um, what's their their background and and um, you know how they've been getting on in the recent months, Alan? With them, okay. So Keras have come to market. They are um, that uh, the, they are, as you rightly say, uh, uh, one of the flood of uh, IPOs this year. Um, and uh, but this caught my eye. Uh, it's the, the company is uh, has a portfolio of copper and gold licenses in Cyprus, and of course Cyprus is a very benign environment for. Um, for mining and, and resource companies, um, and uh, what what uh, what I think um, has attracted me to this is when, when we've spoken about mining companies in the past, a lot of companies are revisiting dormant assets that uh, were producing previously. So, in a sense, a lot of the work had been done, but uh, for whatever reason, uh, economical reasons, uh, perhaps a lull in the price of the core commodity, uh, the, the projects were basically mothballed. Um, and Keras has acquired this portfolio of gold, copper and gold licenses in Cyprus. So it's a series of brownfield sites. Um, and um, it's the initial aim is to define a mineral resource estimate of 20 to 30 million tonnes of copper um, and, and gold. So um, the, the work will commence across uh, uh, sites, including uh, some former producing mines. Um, and certainly the Cyprus Mining Department has indicated that uh, um, uh, remnant, what if reverse is remnant resources um, exist at a number of former mines, including the Calavasas mine, where it's thought to be some 4.6 million tonnes of copper, the Cambia mine, the Vrekia and the Black Pine uh, mine. And the, the Black Pine is uh, is uh, also nickel and cobalt, cobalt too. So... Um, so the team at Keras are are are, uh, are, are basically uh, casting their eye across these. 
Um, the company uh, came to uh, came to market last week with a market uh, with uh, raised two point two uh, million at ten p. Um, shares shares popped up to fourteen p. I think last week the back to just under twelve p. Uh, under twelve p. Now um, and uh, again on uh, yesterday on Thursday March twenty third the company put out an announcement saying it was ahead of schedule with the compilation uh, and creation of databases um, uh, on these uh, assets, which uh, would form the basis for 3D modeling. It had also undertaken drone surveys and uh, produced lots of high-res photography um, and located surface alteration targets uh, that indicated underlying mineralization, and that was at Calavasos, uh, also Marla and North, North Mathias. Um, so the company is run by Martin Churchhouse, the CEO, uh, 35 years experience, formerly worked with Anglo-American Goldfields, uh, uh, Georgia Mining Corporation, London M- uh, Mining Corporation. Um, then the uh, chairman is a fellow called Mike Johnson, um, who is an industry veteran. He uh, is the sits on the Rio Tinto Chair of, Env- of Environmental Engineering at uh, Liverpool University and is also an external advisor to Rio Tinto. Um, has also worked with London, uh, Glebe Mines and Columbus Copper, to name but a few. And the geologist there is a chap called Andrew Daniels, uh, again, 30s experience, also former Anglo-American um, and, uh, and Monaco. So uh, a very well-respected team. So it looks as though they've hit the ground running in Cyprus um, and we're going to be hearing an awful lot back from this company very soon. I think, you know, where they are now, um, they listed, uh, you know, w- with a very modest market cap. I think we're going to see, as soon as we see some uh, meaningful news, we're going to see some decent progress uh, in the not too distant future. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking here and something they've mentioned in their investor presentation as well, um, significant exposure to copper and copper very much in focus at the moment as being one of the metals which is going to facilitate this transition towards electric vehicles and um, you know, seeing the, uh, the growth of electric vehicles, not only in the numbers being sold, but also the, the appetite for investors to be involved and want to be involved in that, in that space. Um, I think anybody um, with exposure to, to, to copper um, has quite a, a bright future over the next five to 10 years. But I mean, with this, just, just looking at the company very briefly, of course, it's just come to market. So there's, there's not a great deal of, of detail to go into here, Alan. But I mean, is this one that you should be looking at as a diversified minerals play or, or does it lean to, to either copper or gold um, in, in its operations? Well, I think it has the black pine asset, which is nickel and cobalt. But uh, of course, essentially, these are all battery metals, aren't they? So I think we can, uh, I think certainly that's the emphasis, you know, copper and gold uh, often found together. Um, and, uh, and and that seems to be, that seems to be the, the, the underlying uh, driver for it. But um, as I said at the start, it's also the fact that uh, these are former producing mines as well, in many cases. So, um so the company's got the got the resources to revisit these, and as a former producing mine, Calavasos, um, as we've said so many times previously, with modern mining techniques, with data mining, with three D modelling, uh, it can cast a whole new light on 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 a, an existing asset. And in many cases, um, the original mining team 
may may just have literally scratched the proverbial surface, and there may be a whole lot more underneath. So clearly, um, you know, if if uh, if that is the case with Calavasos or any of the other assets, then it's going to be a bumper year for Keras Minos. Indeed, indeed, and and, and uh, one of many interesting companies that uh, that have newly listed on the on the London Stock Exchange. So, as a recap. Um, stocks discussed today, Echo Energy trades under the ticker of ECHO, Union Jack Oil trades under the ticker of UJO, and just then was Keris Mineral Resources trading under the ticker of CMRS. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. Have a good weekend. Take care now. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.